Welcome to the Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Teams podcast, Why Language Matters. This podcast is meant to explore words, their meaning, and how we can use language to be inclusive. Welcome to today's episode, Gendered Language. We'll discuss what gendered language is, how it affects others, and tips for making small changes to be more inclusive. My name is Nicole Doyle. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm the program lead for the Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging team. My name is Badiana Badio. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm a sales leader and diversity champion, and I am based in the East Coast. My name is Hillary Brown. I'm a diversity, inclusion, and belonging analyst. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm based out of Seattle. My name is Sarah Pettinger, national retail trainer uh, based out of the East Coast. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm Caroline Selke. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm in the technology program management organization and work out of our San Francisco office. Welcome to our discussion about gendered language. Caroline, I know that you had a lot of experience writing about and researching gendered language. Do you want to help us understand what that is and what it means? Yeah, actually, I was a linguistics major prior to finding my way to solar and technology, but so much that I learned in, especially in the sociolinguistics elements way back in, in undergrad are so relevant, both for computing and just for being a person and, and listening and trying to be aware. So yeah, that's my that's my context, but academically, gendered language is actually I pulled up a definition of what I remember women's language being defined as, which is a little bit more specific than gendered language in general, but I wanted to I wanted to bring this up. This is from the sociolinguist Robin Lakoff who did a ton of work like writing on this subject over multiple generations is kind of a pioneer in the field, but she claimed that women employ a distinct style of speech, I'm quoting here, women's language, which comprises linguistic features that demonstrate and reinforce women's inferior position in society. Even the fact that there's just like a his and hers bias in our, even in talking academically about language bias should speak for itself. And I think the note about inferiority at the end there is probably critical to, you know, the heart of our discussion. Yeah, that sounded sort of like how women speak. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's terminology and speech. Yes. So, you know, in, I didn't actually answer your question directly of what is gendered language, but I think generally speaking, my way of defining that would just be language and word selection that reference overly binary ways of of referring to like his and hers and just those assumptions, but also language that clearly assumes one gender or another is the most, you know, it's just the obvious choice. And it's it's all around us. You have some examples that you listed, which are I think sort of the straightforward examples like chairman, policeman, congressman. And we're getting a lot better about like congresswoman. I have noticed that or, you know, congressperson, I've heard some people say, just as a, as a side note. But there's also, especially in the workplace, a lot of idioms like manpower, and this is a two-man job, and who's going to quarterback this? And even if it's not overtly male 
language, like a quarterback, we don't see a ton of women in that field. So it's, it's just like these quiet reinforcements of the power position. And then lastly, I think it's also the way people speak to respond to your question, Nicole. So I think women are traditionally uh, much more likely to end declarative statements with an inquiring or inquisitive tone. So you speak very confidently in one way, but then you, even without using extra words, undermine yourself automatically through signaling. Wow, you just said a lot there. <laughs> I know, I, it's, it's like part of my women's language. I say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. I mean, that's that's really exactly what we're here to talk about and uncover. So I'm re I really appreciate you bringing all of those points up. Right sure, <laughs> I'll set the stage, and then now, now let's discuss. <laughs> yes, I love it, and and I agree. I think there's a couple things to this. Number one, we use gendered language is very common. So you'll like you just said, chairman, policeman, mailman. So it's very common. And then how we speak. So we may not delve into that too much, but certainly where we see these gendered languages and it's typically in the workplace, but it, it can be everywhere. I came across this video in prep for this podcast and this person, you know, he's talking about the importance of using gender inclusive language and why it matters and how you can go about doing it. But he started off his talk with, he was talking to all his nieces and nephews and he says, okay, you guys, you've got to go. And it's a treasure hunt. And whoever finds this thing is going to, you know, I'll give you so much money. And everybody goes and his niece, his favorite niece stays behind. And she's like, I just don't understand why I couldn't participate. And she took that literally you guys. So she took it very literally to say, oh, he's talking to all the boys and I can't participate. While us as adults, we hear that you guys a lot. We may even use it quite often. I used to. Uh, I'm still trying to curb my language. While we hear it a lot and we may not take it as literally as that little girl, I think there's always this unconscious part of our brain that is still processing that information. And so I think that's why it's so important. Personally, it's been very hard to, to change vocabulary from ways we've spoken since we were kids. And I do struggle with saying you guys, because it's just, it's been a part of my language for so long. And here I am today in this call. Yes, I've heard exactly. myself say it two so times. So I was like, oh. Well, I, I fully admit it is a struggle. It's something I'm trying to get better with. When I'm hosting a, a national call, I have to really, before the call, think about, I need to say, you know, team instead of you guys. And so here I am a woman, who says you guys a lot, you would think that that would be a more of a, a man thing, but it's just the way we've been conditioned and it does take work and practice to take it out of our vocabulary. What I feel happens with gendered language is it kind of perpetuates this historical patriarchal hierarchy that men are above women and then there are basically the norm in society and we're kind of the outliers that have to find our way our past or find our way into what is considered normal so it without subconsciously because it's been happening for so long especially like i have the same issue as sarah does like i still say hey guys and i've really worked hard with especially with leading a team to say team team replace guys with team or other you know inclusive language of that sort making everyone feel part of that conversation 
And without realizing it, we're excluding or making women feel invisible or inferior to the patriarchy that exists still. This gendered language for me is important to transition to mainly because we just want to really focus on being inclusive and making people feel comfortable and confident that they have a seat at the table, at the figurative table. Yeah, for specifically for the term you guys, in present day for for myself, I, I like to think that I've completely separated gender from that. It's just a term. But what you said, Nick, about the uncle having the, the kids go do a, a treasure hunt and the, the girl took it really literally, I was thinking back to to when I was a kid and how much I wanted to prove that I could be one of the boys. There was immediately that the boys are up here and the girls are just trying to get up here with, you know, in in sports and and things like that. And so I think that probably did stem from a very young age with language and that it really framed my worldview and and how I approach things even as a kid and probably to today to, to try to be achieving that level to show that I can be one of the guys or on the same level as men where it's like, why did that separation begin so young? That completely resonates with me, Hillary. I had the same experience when I was a kid and I felt the same way and I didn't ever connect that, the language I'd heard until now. But it was like that, no, I don't wanna be stuck in the kitchen all day. I wanna go out and have fun and I wanna go and have a career and I wanna, I wanna do all of those things. Like that sounds fun and interesting and I don't wanna just stand in front of the stove all day. So. Yeah, I, I guess if, if I want all of those things, then I guess, yeah, I want to be more like the guys. It resonated with me as well, because I think a lot of our thinking comes from the teachings of our parents or other other people in our lives could be teachers. I can specifically remember my brother mowing the lawn and I wanted to mow the lawn. And my mom told me that that was not something girls do. Girls, you know, cook, they clean, they do these things. And she defined the roles like, Guys take out the garbage, they do the mowing of the lawns, but you'll never do that. And I was mad because I wanted to learn how to ride the lawnmower. And my dad was like, I'll teach her, you know? So my dad was really empowering and was like, he really broke the gender roles. He was a sheetrock and spackler and he took me to work and he, you know, showed me how to spackle and how to, how to paint. And my mom was always like, that's not, you know, she's not going to do that. And so I really thank my dad for helping me break that mold, but it happens in families that it's just the way that we're brought up and we're told what is supposed to be and how we're supposed to act. And then our language stems from that with things changing and moving the way they are. I think we just need to be cognizant of it so that we're not doing those things to the next generation and letting them know, like my dad empowered me. We need to empower the next generation to know that you can do whatever you want to do. You know, all all cards are on the table. It often does start with language. Isn't that one of the first things that babies learn? We we learn, you know, as we're coming into this world. And it, I think it does have a huge significance in the way we think, the way that we feel, the way we experience the world around us. On that note, I love the literal interpretation of you guys. She's like taking him at his word, like, oh, I'm not invited. So I'm just going to stay here. And that in a way is totally punk rock. <laughs> She's like, But it's also just natural. And I mean, I feel like that little girl probably had a lot of confidence, even though she didn't go with the guys. She was calling out that there was something that she wasn't just going to go along with, which 
is a huge part. It's been a huge part of my own experience, especially as a woman in technology. I mean, all of us being women in solar are, you know, in the minority sales. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of dudes to use another um, <laughs> another term, but but yeah, I find like even I, I do say dude a lot. I don't know what connotation that has necessarily, but that and you guys, I've just it's completely my language peppered with that kind of seemingly innocuous terminology. But given that we do have to work a little bit harder, especially in our spaces, to differentiate and like own our differences as opposed to trying to blend in, like. Let's just play into the the dynamics that were established long before anybody in the room, you know, had any say in any of it. <laughs> if you think about the idioms and the just turns of phrase that are applied, especially in the workplace, to typically women or the you know the female gendered language versus male, it's maybe just me, but it sounds it my, all everything that's coming to mind is. Female-oriented idioms are negative, like Debbie Debbie Downer or negative Nancy or like much stronger language that's negative and not appropriate for this podcast. But then it's like, like again, I'll reference manpower and just these, these sort of demonstrations of force that like very, again, tacitly under the surface are not helping really anyone, but particularly those not in the dominant, not in the dominant gender identity. It's funny that you say that, Caroline, because that that is one thing that really bothers me with the gendered language is the the double standard of if it's referenced toward a woman, it's negative. If it's referenced toward a man, it's positive. It's strong. It's all mm-hmm. of the things that you want to be. And and when you said, you know, a turn of phrase that's not appropriate for this podcast, <laughs> I thought of the B word. And then I thought of Wow, isn't that interesting that the B word toward women can actually be negative in two different ways? So it's like, don't be, don't be a little B, right? Don't, don't, don't be weak. And then don't be a B, which is completely different. And, and then there's another B word that I really take personally, because I did get called this, I even got called this in a professional setting by one of my bosses. And I was like, Oh, wow, that is not okay. And the word's bossy. It's always used to describe a woman who is straightforward, (laughs) who uh, is like, you know, uh, directive, who is taking leadership, who is all of those wonderful things that you would assign to a man in that masculine area. But you you decide to call her bossy instead. And, And so that's even a negative thing that even if a woman does present themselves in that masculine, those strong ways, then uh, we're, it's, it's still bad. I think one of my friends has a daughter who was four at the time, and she was telling her other friend, you know, what to do, how to play or whatever it was. And so he said, you know, don't be bossy. And I was like, no, 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 she's showing leadership skills and you do not call her bossy. You can tell her not to tell. He's like, well, what? I, I don't know. What, what else do I say? I mean, that's the word for it. And I was like, Tell her not to order people around. Tell her not to like address the action that you don't like, but don't call somebody bossy because they're exhibiting these traits, right? Would you ever call um, somebody who identifies as male bossy? I, I personally don't think it would occur to me. I've never heard it happen. Hmm. Neither have I. It would just yeah. it would be considered a positive connotation, like you're strong-willed. 
you're you're taking ownership, you're being a determined leader and whatnot. But on the other hand, we're considered like when we're doing those same things, either bossy or aggressive. For me, when I was a, a manager, one thing that really irked me was on occasion, customers would come in demanding to speak to the boss and assuming that it's going to be a male. And so I had a, a guy come right up to the counter. He's like, I want to talk to your manager. Where is he? And I came back and I said, well, he is a she and she is me. And so how can I help you? And I said it in the most calm way. And you could see he was like, he just like shrunk and was like, oh, I'm sorry. Because he realized that he already just assumed that it was going to be a male that he was going to be speaking to. And it actually helped me because he was all upset over something. But once he realized what he did, he, he you know, kind of brought it down a level. So I think so many times people aren't aware, but it was something I fought against, not only being a, a young manager or woman, but just being a woman and to uh, get the respect that I deserved for the job that I was doing. It, it, took, it took a while to get there and to be strong and to let those things roll off our back, you know, and to be a boss and at times give the orders, but without being called bossy. I, I'm right there with Nicole. That's happened to me as well because I'm trying to get things done. And, uh, and you're right. I've never heard a male boss of mine ever be called bossy. I've actually been told that that's just their management style. I was like, wow, that's some style then. <laughs> the notion of people assuming a, it goes beyond gendered language, but more like societal assumptions of workplace roles that women do and, and don't play. Like one of the most common examples is when people are at the team level are, are talking about who's going to staff a project and inevitably they'll say like, all right, well, we'll get six guys on this. Or like, how would you feel if this, if you were this engineer, he might think, you know, just hi the hypotheticals are always a male. I also find that this is very common with people for whom English is a second language, which is a totally different thing, but that also goes to show that when English is taught in a formal setting, it's even more so like the rule is it's a, a man unless there are, you know, unless proven otherwise, which is interesting. I, I take it a little bit more in stride when it is someone, you know, who does speak another native language first, because there's a little context that is missing, but still it's, it's all part of the same, the same system of uh, oppression, if you will. It's funny you bring that up because I did see an article when I was doing a little bit of research. There was a study done on how language affects prejudice against women in languages that are inherently gendered. So, for example, Spanish is a gendered language. Things are masculine or feminine. That's why you have the A or the O at the end of words. What they found in this study is that Gender prejudice occurs more in those gendered languages than in genderless languages. And I thought that was interesting when we're talking about these unconscious, you know, the, the unconscious realm of our brain processing this, these gendered remarks and idioms and turn of phrases and all of these things. To go back to the to my uh, undergrad collegiate days, my uh, honors thesis was on, it was a like, long paper on the use of women's language as defined in the way that I uh, did at the top of the podcast, which is a lot of, you know, manners of speaking as well as word, but it's about romantic comedies and the use of women's language 
and how it shifted, whether it was a male writer, a female writer, or screen, a team of female screenwriters, or a team of male and female screenwriters working together. And what I thought was interesting, like by a, a large margin, when a female and a male were working together to write a screenplay, that was when there were the most uses of women's language in a way that was like kind of extreme or notable. So it was the male and female collaborators, when they got together, they ended up having the most extreme women's language and most yeah. most frequent usage, which suggests, I mean, you could break each one down individually. I don't know these people or, nor their context, but it suggests, especially because there was a lot of evidence across different contexts, each of the people writing is more inclined to play out these hierarchical stereotypes or assumptions, like when you are combined, the power dynamics are played out a, a bit more obviously than they would be even if it's two men writing, you know, you've got mail or something. I, I can't remember if that was male or not. Remember that the wedding planner was the worst offender, for the record. <laughs> Damn, I like that movie. So. <laughs> I feel like you've, <laughs> I've gotten very good at telling when it is a man writing a female character or a woman in a show. It is just it becomes so blatantly obvious. Totally. I mean, this is even men. It, it's like not even necessarily the female characters, but just the the use and how they're written, but just the use of this very kind of biased language across the board it really didn't sway in the the power favor of of the female. <laughs> but yeah, men writing women can be painfully obvious and of the inverse as well. Something like, why are we told to, that Cinderella needs that man who couldn't even distinguish her when she didn't have makeup on? Like, mm. why, why am I told that I want that? Oh, that's mm -hmm. hysterical. <laughs> yes, or like who couldn't tell that I was pretty because I was wearing glasses, like all those 90s, like, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just wondering, I personally know some males that have said in with the way things are changing and they feel like they don't know exactly what to say and they're tiptoeing around and they don't want to offend people. But at the same time, they're feeling like, ah, oh, I'm being so scrutinized and it's all, you know, and I'm a male and I'm the problem. And I, I, I just wondered if maybe we should just touch on on how the, the males might be feeling about this and, and how I think a lot of them are trying really hard. And it's just as it's hard for me to stop saying you guys, sometimes I'm sure it must be really hard for them and they feel even worse about it when they use that sort of language. So with going back to Caroline talking about like idioms, and I think there's just, there's less obvious instances of like gendered language. And one that I think we're becoming more aware of, but like if you compare words, I'll give an example because I think it's the most straightforward. If you compare words such as like bachelor and spinster and master and mistress, one, the female version of those words are always like less prestigious. And now as time has gone on, they've developed like more sexual connotations. So mm -hmm. I think that is where this masculine fear is coming from because everything related to women has now become unnecessarily sexualized. So that things that were okay and acceptable 
women are having the confidence and like they're no longer being silent about how, hey, this is inappropriate. And men are like, people were okay with us doing this or having these like sexual underlying sexual commentary for so long. Like, how do we stop that behavior? And now we have women more confident in being like, don't like that language. Don't talk to me that way. You know, (laughs) exactly. Like address me by my name or don't like relate my character to something that has Mm -hmm. like debasing who I am as a woman. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you brought that up, Sarah, because I think it's very valid. And I've also heard that feedback as well. For the the folks who are well-intentioned and well-meaning and who actually do, you know, care and, and want to figure out, you know, how to navigate this space, my advice would probably be to be open about it, talk about it, and make actionable changes to the way that you use your language. And if you, you know, mess up, that's totally fine. It's a conscious thing you have to be conscious about. If you if you want to stop using a word that you use very regularly, like it's got to be conscious. You know, you have to be aware of it. And just know that you're going to slip up. I stopped using you guys, or I tried. I, I'm trying to stop you guys. <laughs> it's like a drug, mm-hmm. apparently. It's tough. It's really, really tough. And I started, what, about three, maybe four weeks ago. And in the beginning, I was slipping up all of the time. And I was very open about it with anybody who I was on a call with to say, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stop this. And so I will occasionally say it and then I'll stop and say a different word because that's what I'm trying to correct. So, you know, unfortunately, a lot of my colleagues had to suffer through that, (laughs) but I think it's gotten better. And and it, it, just a couple weeks, you know, just a few weeks. And I'm now able to say, you know, even if it's kind of coming up on my tongue when I'm like, you, you know, <laughs> I'm able to pivot immediately and say, you all, or you both, or you two, or you four, or, you know, whatever else it is, there's so many other words we can use. That's, that's what I would say is, you know, just, just talk about it, be open about it understand that this is a sensitive topic to some people because you know half the population lives with this every day and so it's really not just like this small group of people it's half the population mm-hmm. for those who may be tiptoeing around this and and figuring out you know if if it's something that they want to be genuine and honest about i would say like just come come join us so this is not going to go away i i do know that there are people who are change averse. And so it's tough to be told that language that you've used your entire life, language that your your dad has used with you, your mom, or even maybe your sisters, you know, the whole world has used this language for so long. And now all of a sudden, let's not use it. And because I'm the other gender, now it feels like it's an attack against me. And, mm-hmm. and that's not what it is at all. If you're thinking that you can be less funny, because you've used some jokes for the wow factor, I would say then just find better jokes. Yeah, I, I what I am most proud of in, in Sunrun is I've heard leaders catch themselves saying, you guys, and they pause and they say, let me rephrase that team. And then they'll start off. So I've seen some of our Sunrun leaders catch themselves and decide to make that conscious change. And that is, uh, it's been really inspirational. So. I'm trying to catch myself in the moment and rephrase things because I think the majority of people don't want to offend anybody, but it is just tough to reframe our language that we're so used to speaking. 
we got we got a good movement here going. We've got a, a lot of people that want to see these things happen and, and see change happen. Yeah, you know, it's got to start somewhere. And I'm so happy that, you know, our leadership here is so open and progressive and in tune with what people need. So I, I'm really happy to see that and hear it. I think what I'd like to to leave people with is is just how how change happens and it's really it's social pressure that changes it. So what we're doing right now with this podcast is a form of social pressure and I know the word pressure always makes people think of a negative but to me social pressure is when you think of in the early 1800s women were wearing these great big thick heavy dresses that weighed us down and it took 100 years for that to really change. It took you know, somebody getting brave enough to take that big hoop thing out of it and say, you know what, this thing is uncomfortable and I can't get around the house in it. So they had to take that out. Then they take, you know, their petticoats out and, and literally the dresses got thinner and thinner and then they got to the ankles and then they went up to their calves. And then eventually, you know, we were wearing mini skirts and then eventually wearing pants, but it, it was a hundred years that it really took for that to happen. And it took a lot of brave women to take out those hoops in there and for others to say, yeah, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I want to, to go this way. So I feel that with what we're doing now, it's really important. Things will change. It may not be overnight, but I think if we're all bring awareness to it, then we're going to eventually get to what, what happened and, and, and we'll be able to wear pants, so to speak. So we'll all be right there and we'll all be considered the same. And we're still fighting for pockets, I might add. Yes, somebody's got to fix that. Well, well, thank you everyone for joining us today. While gendered language may not be the most oppressing thing toward women or, and we didn't even touch on, you know, people who identify as women. So there's a whole, you know, other group of people that is feeling another type of way about this. So while it might be the, the thing that is oppressing folks, um, it is the one thing that we can absolutely 100% control. And it's, easy to change. So definitely encourage you to start there. Starts with ourselves and then it will spread. It will spread to the next and the next. Absolutely. Thank you everybody for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you all.